episode 10 of the Nordic Football Podcast. Coming up on this edition of the show, we've got a really big uh, in-depth feature of the uh, relegation battle in the Alshvenskan. Uh, we're joined by special guest uh, Michael Jolly, the uh, AFC Eskild Stuna manager, for an in-depth chat um, about the, their chances of survival. In addition to that, John's team in focus are Gift Sundsvall. Uh, so yes, a big feature at the bottom of the Alsvenskan um, in Norway. I'm going to be talking about Valrenga and what's going wrong there for Ronnie Dyler. And then also we're talking about a couple of really talented players who are in Scandinavia at the moment. Samuel Adeg Benro, who recently moved to Rosenborg. And John is going to be talking about Mohamed Bouya Toure. Uh, AFC Eskilstuna who has uh, been scoring some rather special goals uh, this season and uh, in addition to that we've got all the uh, usual stuff like Eat My Shorts and a, a couple of big match previews at the end of the podcast um, most notable AIK against Jogarten in uh, the Auschwitz big, big Stockholm derby so for all that and much more then stay tuned for episode 10 Welcome to episode 10 of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined as ever by Jonathan Fadugba. And I'm delighted to say that we've now reached a milestone. This is episode 10. And uh, well, we've certainly uh, been going strong, haven't we, John? Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Steve. She's a perfect 10, but she wears a 12, as the song says. And yeah, I'd like to think we've been a perfect 10. Uh, yeah, it's really, really good to hit, the, hit that milestone and we're still going strong. Uh, have you enjoyed the 10 episodes so far, mate? Really have enjoyed it an awful lot and uh, been delighted to have you on board. I think we've uh, discussed and talked about a lot of uh, great things, had some top quality and interesting guests on as well. And uh, for this episode, uh, another one joins us in Michael Jolly, the uh, manager of uh, AFC Eskil Stuna over in Sweden. So looking forward to, to hearing uh, that uh, very soon. Uh, but as always, we're going to start off with the Eat My Short section. Um, we basically both of us have got five quick points to make in 20 seconds about each of our respective leagues we cover me in Norway and you in Sweden so uh, who wants to go first this week I think you should go first this week Steve okay well get me get me on the clock and uh, I'm ready to rumble right let's get you on this clock then you ready for your first point I certainly am let's go eat my shorts your 20 seconds starts now yeah, well, it's got to be uh, Augustson beating Rosenborg uh, 1-0 away from home. A sensational result for them. Second time they've beaten Rosenborg this season. But the team from Trondheim, they still have a six-point gap at the top of the table. So no such worries uh, for them. No one else really took advantage. Good stuff. OK, and over to Sweden now. Malmo, we have to talk about Malmo. They... After celebrating last week, we thought they were going to have the title wrapped up. They've lost 3-1 to AFC Eskilstuna, who are the bottom team in the league. I mean, the gap now has been narrowed to 10 points. So, you know, Malmö still have the title wrapped up, but it was a bit of a catastrophic week for them. Are they getting complacent? Uh, 
Yeah, well, I'm going to stick with Rosenborg again because on a more positive note, they uh, claimed a magnificent victory uh, in Ajax in the Europa League uh, with uh, Samuel Adling-Bendro sensationally scoring uh, on his debut for them in Amsterdam. Great result in the first leg. They've still got to do it all in the second leg to qualify, but uh, yeah, fantastic result for Rosenborg over in the Europa League there. Right now, I'm going to Audible, and they've announced this week or this weekend that their coach, Alexander Axen, will be leaving at the end of the season after a fairly in, indifferent campaign, if I'm being honest. Their assistant manager has been announced that he will take over, Axel Kiel, and there's some talk now after the defeat of the weekend that he might actually end up leaving straight away. Uh, he might actually end up leaving now. Okay, well, uh, in the big Oslo derby, Lillestrøm beat Valerenga. 2-1 to gain their revenge from earlier in the season. Bit of a big result for Lillestrøm, the first victory in five games, whilst Valerenga, well, they're actually now fifth bottom of the table. We're going to talk about them more in the uh, end of this uh, podcast. You, you're on form for this one, aren't you? Well on time at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm going to have to talk about Hammerby. Let's talk about Hammerby. They are a team to speak about at this moment in time. Smashed already brought themselves 3-0 at the weekend. I said that on the previous podcast, their transfer business have been pretty much A grade and they're showing it. Sander Spenson scored a goal on his first match. Part Dibber scored. It went 3 0. They're looking good. The transfers look good. Positive signs for the badge in the moment. Okay, so uh, massive win for Thrumser as well. 3 uh, 2 against Alessand. First victory for new coach Simo Valakari. And they move off the bottom of the table. Um, so, really encouraging there for Thrumser. Uh, Olsen with a couple of goals, but Kenga had a good debut, uh, and they're looking upwards now. Have you got your own private time or something? This is, this, is, uh, this is good. Yeah, now, Swedish Cup. We are into Swedish Cup action now, and teams are playing their games this week. It's early rounds. Ostersunds are the holders. They beat North Shopping in the final last, uh, last season. This tournament goes on until the end of the year, so you have kind of preliminary rounds, and then you've got rounds at last keep going towards the end, beginning of the start of next season. So this will go on for a while, but yeah, it's all up and running now. What can I say? I just have magnificent timing and everything, don't I, John? So, uh, yeah, Bran, they uh, beat Viking 4-2 uh, in a local derby match full of uh, quality strikes. And after a bit of a mid-season slump, Bran are back up to third place now. Viking go at the bottom of the table. So, uh, sort of both teams going in opposite directions at the moment there. Well, I was about to say that pride comes before a fall, but you were on time again. But nobody fell in the uh, big derby in Jotteborg. EFK against BK Hacken. Uh, it was a one-all draw, really good game. Sebastian Eriksson scored a fantastic goal. And he's been in real good form uh, of late. Il Capitano, as they call him. Uh, but Nassir Mohamed made a, uh, an equaliser for Hacken. Second half was a bit out of... Oh, no, I'm out of time. <laughs> You've been done by the uh... clock. He's been done by the <laughs> clock. But, yeah, some good points there made as ever. Yeah, in you know the... You know when it comes to talking about Gothenburg, mate, I can't, I can't, I can't restrict it to 20 seconds, that's the problem. Too much love for that season. I know, I really can't wait for when we do uh, some of the big uh, Gothenburg teams uh, in depth, uh, which I'm sure will come in future podcasts, so uh, I'm, you know, you're going to need an hour to yourself there uh, <laughs> when we do that, aren't we, uh, John? So, um, but yes, in terms of uh, this podcast, we're going back to a more traditional structure, and... Um, uh, we've got uh, uh, a great uh, guest interview with the AFC Eskilstuna manager Michael Jolly, and that's coming up soon. Um, uh, he had a great win at the weekend against Malmo, one nil. Uh, sorry, three one, not not one nil. 
um, and they're up to 11 points in the table, uh, giving them uh, hope for survival. But one of the other teams down there right now and in big trouble here, uh, Gif Sundsvall, currently third bottom on just 16 points, the lowest scoring team in the league. And they are going to be your team in focus this week, aren't they, John? Tell us a little bit about them. Well, we're going into team in focus, but I just wanted to say I may I may have lost the clock, but uh, Gothenburg has won my heart, so that's a happy sacrifice I'm willing to make there. But yes, let's look at Gif Sundsvall. So this is a bit of a left field choice, perhaps, because I suppose they're not one of the bigger teams, and some fans, the likes of Jurgen and Hammerby, might be might be scratching their heads, going, "Why why are you focusing on us?" But I think it's time to talk about Gif, if I'm honest. And uh, yeah, they've. I think the reason I want to talk about them this week is that I. I did mention on the transfer podcast pod nine, which you can you can download still, get your iTunes and go on there and give us some ratings and all that kind of stuff because um, your support is always very welcome for us. But yeah, we did. I did mention on that transfer podcast that I worry about them, uh, and I did think their transfer, their lack of transfer business hinted at some difficult times for them. Uh, and this was just confirmed on Monday when they played Kalmar in the big relegation battle, and they were soundly beaten three one. Uh, I didn't actually see the game myself but by all accounts you saw the game Stephen you weren't too impressed yeah um, I do try and watch the odd uh, Alsvenskan game when uh, I have time and uh, this was a particular game that caught my eye it was a pretty end to end contest actually the scoreline did the match justice 3-1 it probably should have been more goals in it actually uh, the, the big thing that stood out to me was that Sundsvall just could not finish chances um, they created quite a lot of them but their finishing was crap uh, whereas Kalmar had a bit more of the ruthless edge about them, uh, you know, uh, they just seemed to have a bit more quality in the final third of the field, and uh, you know they got well ahead in the game, and um, I wouldn't say they necessarily had control of it because they they looked a little bit vulnerable to me. But Sundsvall, um, they got one back. If they could have got a second back, it would have been interesting. But they just as I say they couldn't finish their chances. My, my general feeling about them was yeah, struggling to hit the back of the net and. Look, they're the lowest scoring team in the league. There's got to be a reason for that, John, would you say? Yeah, you're taking more points there. Uh, yeah, they are the lowest scoring team in the league, and that is a real cause for concern. Um, it's interesting to get your thoughts on that one. Um, but yeah, you know, if you look at the stats with GIF, they, they, they're a bit of a mixed bag. They've got the second lowest goals from open play in the league this season. Um, the lowest goals scored, as you mentioned, they've only scored 15 goals in 20 games, which is abysmal. At any level, really, you know, less than one a game, and quite significantly less than one a game. Uh, they've conceded 29 goals, which isn't too bad if we're honest. Uh, you know, that's kind of lower mid-table in the league in general, the Allsvenskan. But yeah, the big problem for them is scoring. I mean, they also have the third best, best third best pass success rate in the division. So that gives you a bit of a hint about this team. They're a defensive team. They play a kind of a, you know, a five-three-two or a three-three-five-two. You know. Solid at the back, that's really their aim, three centre-backs. Uh, the manager, you know, has tried to implement that kind of tactical setup, And, yeah, it's just, it's faced accusations that it's just slightly too negative, really. Um, and one of the big problems at the moment is that the manager's coming under real pressure. And, you know, it's looking like some of, you know, the fans and players themselves are maybe turning, starting to turn against uh, Joel Sidigrin. So there is a bit of a, um, a difficult situation that this that's for sure and I think you know they, like I said they're getting sucked into the relegation battle now people originally thought it would be Kalmar Hamstad and AFC as the main ones going down but if we look at the table now Gifford in the bottom three now 
And in my opinion, and that defeat to Calmar has taken the four points behind Calmar with ten games left. Yuan shopping in our thirteenth, so they've they're getting sucked into it. But Calmar flying, and yeah, Sun's fellow getting closer and closer to that relegation trapdoor. Yeah, um, let's just talk about some of the key players for Suns Val who who are going to have to get them out of trouble. So, um, who would you say they're sort of top two or three individuals? Yeah, well, it's difficult to look around their team and actually find too many, um, you know, really good players, if I'm honest. They, as I mentioned, they're defensively, it's probably where they are most um, solid. You know, their real problem is scoring goals. And I, at the start of the season, the very first game of the season, I saw them play at AFC. And they um, they had a striker who I quite liked to look decent called Peter Wilson. And, you know, he's a young talent. And I liked it, but he hasn't really pushed on this season. And since then, he's not, not really impressed enough. You know, they're not, like I said, they're not getting enough goals. The main player, really, I think that, you know, if we're looking at this from a sort of scouting point of view, um, I would say that their player, Eric Larson, is the main man in the sense of he's the one who's getting the, the transfer interest. Now, he's a kind of a a right, right-sided right kind of, he can play as a wing-back, he's played a lot as a wing-back this season. He can play as a right-back, right, right back, you know, outright right-back, maybe a right midfielder. He is their kind of main guy. He's, he's been wanted by clubs in Switzerland, uh, teams in, in Scotland as well, Russia have looked at him, and there's a real feeling he'll leave at the end of the season on a free transfer, which would be a, a bit of a blow because he has... He has a decent market value, um, you know. Twenty, I think he's twenty-six. You know, so he's, he's fairly experienced, um, and he's a, he's a player who's done really well. But in general, they, you know, they, like I say, they haven't really, yeah, generally, not too many of their players have stepped up, and that's why they're in this situation. I mean, you can look at, you know, they have a lot of Icelandic players in the midfield, kind of Sigurdsson, and uh, you know, they've got Christian Stein Dawson and some players like that. Jonathan Morse is a young talent who's looked quite good at times on the right wing, but yeah, they haven't, you know, maybe the centre backs, uh, you know, mm. Danielson, Bjorkander, Sonko Sundberg, who's, who's on loan uh, from ARK, he's a Swedish under 21 international, but yeah, I don't really think there's too many talents uh, at this moment in time, or if they are, then they're being smothered by yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just talk about Sundsvall themselves as a, as a club. Um, how big of uh, a team are they over in Sweden? Have they got any sort of big rivalries? And, and what, uh, in terms of ambition, um, what did they expect out of the season? Yeah, well, these are all good questions, Steve. I mean, um, their main rivalry is is Ostersunds. Uh and they've kind of, in a way, kind of usurped them actually as the, the northern powerhouse, uh, having won the um, the Swedish Cup. So yeah, I mean. They were, they are a bit of a team that, you know, they're up there in the north, and they've got that that rivalry. Like I said, um, they're up in Sundsvall. They they've been in the, you know, they've been in the Allsvenskan for you know a number of seasons, seventeenth uh, season I believe. They they you know they're, they're not a massive club by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, their fan base is kind of, you know, decent but, you know, not huge. Uh, they don't have any really major honours, so they're not you know they've they've won they. I don't even think they've actually won the Super F, and they've, they've, they've been runner-up a few times. But you know, um, this isn't like a massive, a massive club in in a traditional sense. But you know, they've you know they, they've been doing well, and I don't think they were really expected to go down, in my opinion. You know, from what I saw in the early games, but they've they've slipped, I think, quite a lot, and they've just started sliding down that table. I mean, Sedigrin's had some problems with his, with his players 
quite regularly this season and I think there's just a bit of a negative vibe around the club that hasn't really helped them um, there's there's big rumours now that maybe he's going to leave you know as a manager himself he's uh, he's had four wins and only scored 24 goals in 28 games in total as, 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 a, as a manager there you know the switch to the back three didn't really work and yeah you know like I said, Ostersunds, their kind of rival, and they, they, they lost to Ostersunds in the um, in the first derby of the season. So, yeah, not, not great times for them, really. No, it doesn't sound like they are great times right now, and I'm going to put you on the spot with a question. It's a simple yes or no, really, um, including the relegation playoff, uh, if they were to be in it. Will they stay in the Alsvenskan? I'm going to have to, yeah, stick my neck on the block with this one, and I'm going to say no. I think they... I think as things stand with the manager, I think they're only going one way. I think they're sliding. I think they didn't strengthen enough in the in the window. I think they needed a top striker, maybe. Um, they didn't get one. I think they needed to be more active. If you look at the teams around them, uh, Kalmar, AFC, Helmstead, they've all switched managers uh, in recent times. Uh, Oribro now about to do it, but you know Sundsvall haven't done it yet. And you know, as they slide down the table, the negativity, you know, the walls, the walls close in. They're just looking. You know, that that is a big defeat. You know, a home to Calmar, that is a big defeat. Yeah. And the walls are kind of closing under them. So I'm going to say no. I'm afraid at this mm. moment in time, I do not believe they'll stay up if it continues like this. Well, thanks very much for your thoughts on Gift Sunsval. Is there anything else you want to add about them before we move on? No, I think that's it really. Uh, like I say, I don't. I'm, I'm pessimistic about their chances of staying up. I think they do have some players who are decent, but all in all, I think their squad is suffering, and I think they're going to struggle. Well, obviously, if uh, AFC Eskilstuna are going to survive, then you'd imagine that Sundsvall will be one of the teams that they are going to have to overtake, and we, uh, we're going to hear from the horse's mouth right now. Um, the AFC Eskilstuna manager, Michael Jolly, is uh, joining us as a guest on this episode, so I'm going to hand over to you now, John, and uh, we're going to see what he has to say. Joining us now on the Nordic Football Podcast, I'm delighted to say that we're going to be joined by perhaps the man of the weekend uh, after a fantastic result for AFC Eskilstuna, who beat the Champions Malmo uh, 3-1 of the weekend. We are delighted to be joined by Michael Jolly, who is the first team manager of AFC Eskilstuna. Michael, thank you for joining us. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Steve. Good to speak to you. Thanks for yeah. coming on. No problem. My pleasure. Yes, yeah, delight, delighted to speak to you. I mean, uh, obviously, being an Englishman yourself, uh, you know, we, we've got a particular interest in you and your, how, how things are going out there. I mean, I mean the first place to, to start, there's no other place to start really, is the AFC game against Malmo at the weekend. I mean, that was a, a fantastic result for, uh, for, for AFC. Uh, very unexpected, to be honest. I think there was 30, 36 points separating the two teams before, before kickoff. Um, let's start there and then we'll kind of go into a wider conversation. But... Let's just talk about that game itself. How, you know, you must be absolutely thrilled after that game. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think it was really the culmination of all the work that we've been doing since I arrived over a couple of months. Um, but to speak about that game in particular, of course, when you play in Malmo, you know, we, we knew we were heavy underdogs, and we had to uh, we had to find uh, maybe a slightly different way of, of playing or making the game feel different for Malmo. But uh, some of the spectators decided not to come to the game. I think worked in our favour because uh, our stadium has a particular feel to it, and um, 
you know, it would have been strange for the Malmo players coming out into that atmosphere. Uh, and I think the way we played as well made made it a different kind of game for Malmo, and it was a different kind of uh, problem for them to solve. And happily for us, you know, we we managed to get the better of them certainly for the first half, um, and got got a really good lead. And then second half, we defended for our lives, and and our goalkeeper played well, and and it was a great three points. So uh, it's a big boost for us in our situation to beat Malmo. Um, that you know, I think they are the best team in Sweden, and I think they will go on and win the league. So. It shows that we can compete with the best, uh, but now we have to quickly refocus because we've got ten more important league games and a cup game to play tomorrow night. So um, you know that we, we can't just rest on our laurels and be happy with the fact we beat Malmo because we still have a big job to do to to stay in Allsvenskan. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> let's look at this from a tactical tactical point of view to start with, if you don't mind, before we widen it out. I mean, you, you, you've um, you've been at Burnley yourself in England, and you know you're from from all reports like an upcoming young coach and you've got new ideas and you know you've seen things you've brought to Sweden already I just wonder from a tactical point of view how you approach the Malmo game because obviously they're the champions they're a massive club and you've had some transfer dealings yourself I just wondered if there's anything tactically you did um, that was maybe different or you know even if it was like training and the lead up to the game or getting in the mentality of the players to make them believe they can beat Malmo tell us about a bit about the approach from a coach's point of view and how you approach those kind of things you know those challenges yeah, I mean, we, we looked at, uh, myself and my assistant coach, we looked at a lot of Malmo games and and we played them ourselves in my first game uh, in early July. So we knew their structure quite well and how they like to attack. Um, and we decided our best approach was going to be to, to man-mark uh, certain key players. So we um, we did that and we, we identified players in our team that we felt you know could do specific jobs against specific players. And then we... We had um, certain areas of the field that we wanted to try and press uh, very well or very aggressively to try and win the ball. So it, it was really based on you know man marking, pressing in certain areas, and then using the good players that we have on counter attack. So we've got Mohamed Boyatarai and Omar Adari and others who are very effective counter attacking players. Um, and we did a lot of preparation during the week on, on those aspects, certainly on man marking, because so many players are used to zonal marking now and, and, and really forget about man marking. So uh, we, we, we did some work where we, we did some video work looking at basketball players, man marking their opponents and distances from the opponents as the ball travels and these kinds of things. And I have to say to the, to the players, they did a great job because they, they learn it uh, very quickly. Um, and it was challenging for them because, like I say, it wasn't something they were used to. There's a lot of decision making involved because, of course, if one if one player loses his man, then everybody else has to make an adjustment as well. So, um, tactically, it worked out really well, and it's a great option for us to have in these last ten games because uh, if we find another team that we think it's appropriate for, then it, you know we, we know the players can can do it well if if we ask them to. Yeah, that, that's really fascinating. I mean, very very quickly on that one. I mean, I. I know that you, you play Ty Tyler, who we'll speak about in a second, because we, we talked about him in the last podcast, but um, Andrew Fox is a player from England, and he kind of played on the left side. I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but is he a kind of a primary left midfielder, or was he a left back that you had kind of decided to play in an advanced role to shore up that left side with Ty as a left back? He's got an interesting background, Andrew, because he's, he played um, he played for Peterborough in League One and Stevenage in League Two as, as a left back predominantly. But he spent some time in the United States in college football, 
uh, playing uh, more in a more advanced role on both sides of the field. So on the right hand side coming in on his left foot, and on the left hand side delivering crosses from you know from high up the pitch. But so one of the, the reasons I, I wanted to sign Andrew, number one, he's a very good character. Uh, number two, he's a very good player. And number three, he can play in two or three different positions on the field. Uh, so that that was perfect for us because we we wanted that versatility in, in some of the players we were bringing in. Um, and certainly against Malmo, he had a really good performance, and I think he, I think he created at least one goal uh, for, for Boya. So no, he's he's done really well in the three games that he's played. And that leads me to the next question in terms of the differences between perhaps Swedish football and English football, because you've come, like I say, you've come from Burnley and you've been in English football predominantly, um, and you've gone there as a foreign manager. And you obviously, you know, there's been English managers in the past, Roy Hodgson, for example, is a high-profile one. Um, who've implemented their own ideas in, in different countries. So for yourself, you know, implementing that kind of thing, what would you say, have you identified, are there any key differences perhaps between English and Swedish football? I know it's 23s maybe, it's obviously slightly different in terms of intensity and that, but have you noticed any key differences so far that surprise you or anything that's kind of taken you by shock or that you've not been prepared for since you've moved there? Or? I think I'm going to hedge my bets with my answer. On, on one level, I think it's very similar because, uh, you know, you get all the all the shades of the rainbow in different teams. Uh, I th- you know, I think in watching Premier League football up close as I have at Burnley, you get lots of different styles. Certainly in the Championship, you get teams that get it forward quickly. You get crossing teams, counter-attacking teams, pressing teams, teams that drop off. Um, and I think I've, I've experienced that variety here as well. You know, you've got some possession teams, some some counter-attack, some more direct. So um, it's, it's similar in that respect. What I would say is, um, I think we're, we're slightly different in Sweden because we've got a slightly different uh, profile of players. We've got quite a few African players and players from different countries, whereas a lot of players have got mostly Swedish uh, players in their squad. A lot of yeah. teams, mostly Swedes in their squad. So um, I'm not saying that limits them, but that usually you get a similar type of. Uh, team structure and most of the teams here are possession based uh, so that's true but I mean what, what I've already learned some new things since I've come to Sweden so uh, you know in England I think a lot of teams like to make a back three when they're building up by dropping in one midfield player uh, either between the centre backs or to the side of the centre backs Whereas here, a lot of teams send one fullback up on one side and just leave the rest of the back uh, for as a back three. So you get this kind of um, asymmetric attacking with one fullback higher than, than the other and one wide player coming inside. So there's there's been some really interesting things that I've uh, seen for the first time here as well, and that's that's been good for me. That's fascinating. I mean, let, let's move on to some of the transfers because there was significant business for for AFC um, this summer. I mean. I believe I'm right in saying this is your first season as a kind of a first team manager at senior level. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, how was the summer window for you? You know, your first experience of that was it a bit crazy? And obviously, you've got players in from you know completely different countries, backgrounds. Ty Taiwo was at AC Milan, for example. Andrew Fox is from Stevenage. Other players. Um, how hard is it? To, how hard was it for you to get the players that you wanted? And how was the window in general? Yeah, it, I'd say that was one of the toughest parts so far because um, 
it's funny you become a head coach and all of a sudden you're the most popular man on the you know on LinkedIn with agents <laughs> and obviously so um, I think we were probably getting between myself and the sporting director we were getting sent between 30 and 50 players every day of the window wow. uh, uh, for, for us to look at uh, for, for my how do you filter that kind of thing? I mean, it's almost impossible, sure. I, I relied heavily on the sporting director and he did a great job. Uh, mm -hmm. As a our sporting director, he, he did an excellent job in terms of uh, doing a lot of the filtering and trying to add, you know, I, I spoke with him early in the window to try and give some clarity on the types of players we wanted to recruit. We had certain uh, positions, uh, requirements, and also certain character or characteristic requirements, I guess. Um, but for me, there was there was two big aspects because I'd just arrived, and obviously we're in the situation we're in it at the bottom of our Svenskin. Yeah. So I, there were some players that I felt fairly quickly weren't going to be able to help us from from inside club, and and it was probably just as important to find new solutions for them, mm. whether it be loan or or you know to go and go and play in new clubs, uh, and that really created space in the squad to bring in. Taiwo to bring in uh, Andy Fox, Sharif, Mohamed, Farshad Noor, uh, and the other players we brought. So um, it was it, it was uh, important that we, we we did both sides of it because if we just uh, brought the players we brought without releasing the ones we released, then that would have been. Tough. Um, but I'm quite happy with the, the squad. I think we leave we leave the window much stronger than we entered it. Uh, and and the last thing to say is, you know, we, we have got some excellent players, and, and the, the window is closed in Sweden now, but I know it's still open in Europe, and we're keen to hold on to the, uh, the our best players, all our players, but certainly our best players, because I know that there are some clubs that uh, covet them, and they've been performing well certainly recently. So uh, if we can hold on to them, I think it gives us a great chance in these last ten games. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, I know there's been you know some interesting you know Adari and Buyatori, for example, the two players who've done really well, and and you know I'm sure there are others. So that'll be a challenge for for you, I imagine. I mean, one of the reasons the Malmo game was such a big result as well is because it actually pushes um, AFC up to uh, 11 points now, which from 20 games, which has pushed them now to sort of five points off um, being in with a shadow of survival. Uh, Johan Shopping as well, are kind of fourth bottom with 19 points, but but a win could take you above Halmstad, Gibson, Sala five points. So you've, you've really put yourself back in the race. I mean, how do you see your survival chances going forward from here with 10 games left? I think that uh, when I arrived, I looked at the fixtures. There were 18 games to go, and I, I kind of mentally uh, put them in blocks of six games, three blocks of six games. And the first six games were really tough in terms of the, the opponents we had to play. We had, uh, you know, we had Malmo away, we had Sirius away. Uh, Jurgarden, who were flying at the time, no shock in the way, and AIK away. So, you know, th these were mostly teams at the top. We had a double header against Kalmar, where we took we took three points. Uh, so, as we go into the last ten games, uh, we've taken seven points out of the. I think I've had eight games. We've taken seven points, but prior to that, we took four points from twelve. So. I think there's been a progression there, but of course we still got plenty of work to do, and, and we're still bottom of the table. So, um, like I said previously in, in my last answer, the squad is in good shape. Uh, we've got ten games to go, and I don't think that any of them will be easy. But they're they're against teams that are closer to us in league position than the the previous games we've played. So, uh, the team is competitive, is fighting, uh, which which is great to see. Uh, I don't think we have to win all the games, but we probably have to win at least uh, at least four or five to, to stand a good chance of uh, surviving. 
and I think you know I think we have a reasonable chance of doing it now. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating last ten games, and obviously we wish you the best of the North Football Podcast. I mean, the final question I have really before we let you go, and you know I'm sure you've got there's many things to be doing, and so we really appreciate your time, but. Yeah, just wanted to kind of ask you what you feel like the lifestyle uh, change has been like, and you know, moving to Sweden. Obviously, there's the human side of things. You know, going to a different country, having to adapt to the culture, maybe pick up a bit of Swedish. Um, you know, I don't have many words in my vocabulary myself, but uh, but you know, how's all that kind of side of things been for you? And uh, you know, are you enjoying the experience in general? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think uh, I think it was a big shift career-wise, but probably an even bigger shift in terms of my life. So my, my wife and I have both moved over here to Sweden and. Uh, it's it's really important that she's happy and I'm happy in our lives away from the football and I think slowly we're settling down uh, we, we found a house uh, to move into in the next few weeks um, and uh, the Swedish people have been very welcoming it's it's a fairly gentle shift culturally because everybody speaks English so mm. you know, we're trying to learn some Swedish but it's hard because everybody immediately starts talking English to us yeah. uh, but I know Eskilstuna is, is, is a nice place, it's a, a one hour from Stockholm which is a fantastic uh, city so we, we've had some good trips to Stockholm and we, we like where we live at the moment. Um, today was the first day where it got a little bit cold so that was slightly worrying because it's only late August but um, <laughs> and Swedish winter. Yeah so <laughs> we're, um, we're gearing up for the winter I guess at this, at this time but no everything is uh, everything's worked well so far and we're quite happy here. And uh, we're enjoying the experience. Uh, that's fantastic stuff, yeah. And my only advice there could be uh, get yourself a scarf and some nice gloves because it, it does get cold in Sweden in the winter. I know that from experience. But anyway, Michael, um, it's been really fascinating talking to you, especially about certain things. And the insight you've given us has been really, really well um, appreciated. So, yeah, we wish you all the best. We'll be keeping an eye on your games as, as we have been doing since you arrived uh, in the country. And yeah, I hope to talk to you maybe soon, you know, maybe towards the end of the season. But yeah, thanks again for your time. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the call. Cheers. Bye bye. Well, I think that was a fascinating discussion there, um, Steve. I mean, you know, really thanks a lot to Michael for that. What did, what did you think of it? And you know, how, how do you feel about AFC's chances? Having heard that. Well, I think he really he, he's obviously the confidence is much higher now. There, he seems to know what he's doing. He's got in players that he wants to get in, and they're making a difference. And if the beliefs there, I mean, they're eight points from. Um, you know, automatic safety, but with the way Sundsvall are going right now, that third um, from bottom spot is uh, is certainly up for grabs. Uh, there are only five points adrift there. So, I mean, from an English point of view, um, I, I think I, we, well, I personally have got to cheer them on because you know, obviously, getting with Michael Jolly in charge, uh, I wish them the very best there, and uh, it'd be nice yeah. to see them make a, a miracle escape, wouldn't it? The great escape. It could happen. It could happen. And yeah, I mean. As I mentioned before, guys, you can you can follow us uh, at, on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Uh, don't forget to do so if you enjoyed that interview and if, you know to help us support us to bring you many more interviews and coverage of Swedish and Nordic Norwegian football. Um, and you can actually like us on Facebook as well, Nordic Football Podcast. And if you have, ever have any questions you want to ask us or you want to talk to us about our analysis, um, feel free to always get in touch with us and discuss opportunities. Yeah, now um, we're going to move to Norway now, and we're going to focus on a team who we've been meaning to do for a while, but we haven't got around to it. Do you want to introduce them to us, Steve? Yeah, it's going to be uh, Volarenga, a big team from Oslo, and um, already did the other big team from around that area earlier in uh, one of the earlier podcasts, uh, Lillestrøm. But now we go to, to Volarenga, and a really interesting yeah. club to talk about. 
Yeah. Now, do you want to know why I actually asked you to introduce them? Why? Because I find it very difficult to pronounce their name. And so the first point I have to ask you really is, is it, is it a V or a W? Is it pronounced as a V or a W? Uh, it's more like a, a W, really. I mean, a lot of people just call them uh, uh, Enger, um, right. you know, as a sort of a nickname, or or or, Voling, or Volenger. It's. Um, I mean, I I struggle myself to be honest. I think you need to have a real good Norwegian tongue to um, to get the proper pronunciation of it um, spot on. To be honest, John. But yeah, an interesting well, yeah. Uh, club. Yeah, I haven't had a, a good Swedish tongue in a while. But um, Wallerenger, it is then. Tell us about them, and I think they have a manager who's fairly well known. Yes, well, um, obviously a big club from from Norway. They uh, got a manager, Ronnie. Uh, Dyla, the ex-Celtic man, quite well known back in the UK. Uh, but yeah, uh, in terms of history, they're a club that won the Elite Serien five times before. Uh, the most recent in 2005, I do believe. In fact, actually, when I first started getting into Norwegian football, they had just won the league. So uh, yeah, going back quite a long way now for me personally. Uh, but in recent years, it's been poor. They haven't finished in the top five since 2010. At the start of this season, they... Uh, I mean, Dyler himself said that he expected them to challenge for the title. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> those um, pre-season ambitions are looking rather stupid right now. They're fifth bottom of the table, John, which is, I would say, somewhat of a crisis for a club as big as them and with ambitions as big as them. Yeah, that does sound, you know, not not great. I mean, they... My perception of Wallerenga, and, you know, I could be wrong here, correct me if I'm wrong, but... I, I've always perceived them as being quite a big club in in, in Sweden. Uh, sorry, in Norway. Um, am I right in saying that? I mean, they they, they seem to have a decent fan base. Uh, Talk about that yeah. side of things, you know, the cultural yeah. side. Are they are they as big as maybe I've imagined and maybe other people have? Yeah, definitely. That everyone perceives them as big because they are big. You know, they used to play at the Ullevall Stadion in Oslo, where the national team play. Um, they've actually just recently moved stadiums. The the debut. Uh, the new stadium is going to be in the next uh, home match, so and that's an eighteen thousand uh, seater, which I think is going to suit them better because the Ullevall Stadion, they only used to half fill that, if if even to that extent, and the atmosphere could sometimes be a bit crap. Uh, but yeah, big club, I think they want to be doing better than they are. They want to be challenging for medals every single year, and they've not been doing that. Um, I'd say for the last uh, five or six years, and that's why Ronnie Dyler came in. They they want um, they want a big name manager who's done it before. He's won the league with Stroms Goodson before. He's managed a big club like Celtic, and they were hoping for better. But they do know that it's a bit of a longer project for for Dyla, so they need to stick patient patiently with him. But um, you know, just twenty four points on the board is simply not good enough uh, right now, John. Mm. I mean, they tactically from what the games I've seen. And I've tried to watch them a little bit when I can. They seem to be a sort of tactically a, a four-two-three-one, maybe a four-three-three. Tell us about I me. Mean, Celtic fans may know about him as well, but tell us about the tactics, maybe, and their key players. Uh, I noticed a few names there uh, who were fairly decent, but let's let's hear it from your point of view. Yeah, yeah. It's usually four-three-three or four-two-three-one, um, and I mean key players. I would say right back Robert Lundstrom is a big uh, big player for them, both from a defensive and attacking sort of point of view. They've recently signed a goalkeeper, Adam Quarasi, uh, ex-Portland Timbers, who won the MLS Cup over there with them. He's replaced Marcus Sandberg in, in between the sticks. Sandberg was one of the worst starting goalkeepers in the Elite Asarian, in my opinion, so that was a bit of an upgrade there. 
um, going forward into into attacking midfield positions. Christian Grindheim, older sort of veteran defensive midfielder, he's an engine, big engine for them in the in the centre of the park. And the big star is uh, Gaius Zahid, who uh, is a lot lot better than anyone else in this uh, squad. John, don't know if you ever heard about him, but he, he he's a cut above the rest uh, in this uh, Valerenga outfit. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about him, and I believe he's actually Pakistani, Pakistani descent. Is that correct? I mean, that's quite rare in in kind of modern football, so that that stands out immediately, really. But tell us about him, and uh, he, he sounds like one that they're struggling to keep hold of, maybe. Well, he just looks like the um, Indian <laughs> Test batsman uh, Virat Kohli, actually. Dead ringer for him. Um, yeah. Yeah, really, it's uh, astonishing how much he looks like him. Could be his brother. <laughs> but yeah, Gia Sahid is a really skillful player. Um, best position I think is attacking midfield but he can play on either wing he can even play as a striker um, he's just got technical abilities far above anyone else in this team and look I've got to be honest whether or not they can keep hold of him in this window I'm not sure he nearly signed for Man City in the winter would you believe um, he's been linked to quite a few big clubs and uh, you know before this European transfer window closes at the end of August I do worry for Volleringer that they're, they're going to be able to keep him or not uh, I think they need to to keep him now because they've just simply not brought enough guys in uh, in the summer window to to strengthen. So he's the big big player, and they're going to have to fight hard to, to to keep him at the end of August. There's been actually rumours that he was linked with Manchester City. Uh, you know how accurate are those? Are they kind of just transfer you know nonsense gossip? Or what kind of level do you think he could go on to if he was to leave? Highly accurate. He uh, he himself. Uh, Claimed that he was very close to signing for Man City in the off season uh, back in the in the winter. Um, I mean, you got that might be complete bullshit. Who knows? But I think there's no smoke without fire. Uh, is he good enough for Man City? Of course, he's not good enough for Man City yet. But as a future project, who knows? Um, I think he could play in the English Championship um, at a good level. Maybe even in, in, in sort of the lower levels of the Premier League. Perhaps uh, he's got really nice skill, nice balance. And he's got a bit of swagger and flair about him as well. So, uh, yeah, potentially good future there uh, for for Zahid and one one worth uh, worth watching. Okay, my final question on Wallerenga. <clears throat> really interesting discussion. Thanks for it. Um, what's their end of season outlook? Can Dyla maybe turn it around? And where do you see them ending up this season? I think they've got to be very careful because um, they're not really they're, they're not going to be challenging for a medal now. I think they're probably the best they can do is a top half finish. And you know, there's teams below them that are fighting for their lives, and the teams below them are more physical, hard, and sort of battled, ready for that relegation uh, battle at the bottom. And they perhaps would be more soft and not ready. So they need to get a couple of wins just to give themselves a little bit of security. They do have a five five point cushion right now. They should be absolutely all right. But I do wonder. They need to finish the season strongly to, uh, you know, to prove to. Dyler that he's the man to lead them forwards going into next season if they could finish this year with some momentum maybe people will start to believe next season they can challenge you know for a medal position again so I, I think they'll be alright but I don't see them finishing any higher than the ninth fantastic stuff uh, yeah thanks for that Steve okay so we're going to take a bit of a break right now but there's still plenty to look forward to on this episode as we both talk about a couple of really talented players from our respective leagues, uh, Mohamed Bouyatore 
and Samuel Adegmenro. And we're also going to be uh, previewing a couple of big games uh, ahead of the weekend. Um, most uh, particularly notable, the uh, big Stockholm derby between ARK and Jorgan. And I'm going to be discussing a battle between two English coaches in Norway. So see you all. Episode 10 of the Nordic Football Podcast, and now we're going to be talking about two players in focus, talented players, well worth watching uh, in uh, each respective league. Uh, we'll start in Sweden, and you're going to be going with an AFC Eskilstuna player, John Mohamed Bouya Toure, their top scorer with seven goals this season, also has weighed on four assists, clearly a key man uh, for them, but uh, this is someone well worth watching out for, isn't it? Yeah, Steve, you just love taking my points. I mean, uh, that's basically seven minutes of my analysis gone there with the goal record. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, good player. Uh, do you have any questions about him? Or? Yeah, I mean, I've heard and actually seen some of his goals. Um, and uh, he really has a reputation for being very spectacular, doesn't he? Yeah, so let's uh, introduce Mohamed Bouyatore then to the audience. I mean, for those who don't know him already... Uh, I actually need to make a bit of a disclaimer here because I've met him before. He's a really nice guy, you know, really, really good person. Um, but that's not why we're talking about him. We're talking about him because of football. And the football at the moment that this guy is producing is really almost nothing short of sensational. Um, yeah, so, you know, where do you begin? I mean, he's got seven goals, like you mentioned, uh, four assists. Um, but this, the manner of his goals have really caught, caught the attention at the moment. And actually, I originally wanted to talk about a different player on, on this talent focus. I was going to go for Skodran Maholi uh, of, of uh, Sirius, but I just thought that, you know, with Bouya Toure's two goals of the weekend to down Malmo, he's really kind of a hot property now at the moment. He's, he's, he's someone a lot of people are talking about in Sweden. Yes, I think it's a good time to be talking about him. What would you say are his biggest and best uh, strengths? Yeah, so this is a young player, you know, uh, the Sierra Leone international. You know, he's, he's uh, kind of in his early 20s, so he's got a lot of room for development. Um, I saw him actually play last season, the Super Etten, uh, the team that got promoted, that team, and a lot of those players are still there. Dari's still there. A few other players are still there uh, from that AFC team, although some of them have since moved on, but yeah. Bouyatouri in that, in that season was good for them and he was a key man in, in terms of them going up. I think he got 10 assists um, as well as a handful of goals in the Super Edson. And he's just picked up his form really and carried on from there. His profile, you know, he's a striker, but he can play on either wing. Uh, you know, he, he's he's a bit dynamic about it. He's got pace. He's, he's, um, he, he sort of frightens defenders in 1v1 situations. AIK fans will be very familiar with that, with his goal um, there in the one all draw. Two games before that, he scored an absolute cracker against Jurgen. If you're able to see it on YouTube, you really should. He dribbles half the pitch and bangs one in. 
slight deflection, but a really good hit. You know, this is a player who's on an upward curve right now, and uh, um, you know, manager Michael Jolly in, in an interview, but I think on one of the websites said that he's you know he's got a bright future, and I'd have to agree with him on that one. Yeah, let's just forget about actual physical attributes now. From a mental point of view and and a character point of view, how would you describe him? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say about that because there's obviously two different sides: there's the human side, and then there's the the playing side. I think the human side, as I've said before, you know, I've um, I met him in, uh, previously, and he's a, he's a nice guy, you know, and uh, I don't have any complaints on that side of things. On the pitch, I think it's fair to say, as a reasoned analysis, he's got some. Uh, yeah. he, he does pick up yellow cards, you know, and that is one aspect of his game that he could work on and perhaps improve. He does seem to have a temper at times, you know, maybe on the pitch. He, he plays with fire, you know, plays a lot of energy and, and passion, and sometimes that can spill over. There was one game I remember very well against EFCO where he um, he nearly got sent off because he he scored a goal on the, on the breakaway counter attack. He forced he forced a breakdown of play, went clean through, forced a mistake from the right back, and he was clean through on goal. He buried it and he ran to the fans, kind of waving his face and kind of getting in the not getting in the fans' faces, but um, you know, doing a kind of John Cena. You can't see me if anyone who's a WWE fan. But yeah, kind of a, a celebration. And he got booked for it and he nearly got sent off because he he was getting booed and you know that he had the fans against him. But he proved you know that he, he does have that in his locker at times. He's been sent off. He has picked up yellow cards needlessly, sort of complaining that kind of thing to the referee. But yeah, he does have the mental attributes. I think. If he curbs it and channels it in the right way, then I think this is a player who, in my in my opinion, he's going to go he's going to go very far. I, I think he's going to end up potentially Premier League level if he keeps up the the performances that he's putting in. I, I really have a lot of faith in this, this player. I think he's going to be a top player in the making, maybe Championship level right now. But I think if he keeps developing and learning, then he has the pace and the kind of um, skills to potentially be Premier League level. Yeah, and uh, Michael Jolly actually said in the interview on this uh, podcast that he uh, is a little bit concerned uh, about uh, potentially losing players uh, before the end of the European transfer window. Because he wants to keep um, the the nucleus of his squad intact. He doesn't want to lose anyone. Is there a danger of this guy catching the eye of someone right now and and someone making a bid? Do you think? That's been links abroad. I think I think at this moment in time, it could be you know. AFC will be doing everything they can to keep him because he is a, a key player for them. Absolutely no doubt about it. I mean, this is one of their main players and they, they're going to need him if they're going to stay up. It will be a massive... I think him and there's another player I mentioned on several podcasts, Omar Adari, who I've said before, is kind of like a Riyad Mahrez type uh, winger, 1v1 again, very good, skillful. Those two players, AFC cannot afford to lose them. You know, it will be a game changer. In my opinion, it will be a game changer. Although they've brought some players in, but if they were to lose any of those two, I believe it would be a game changer in terms of that relegation prospects because they are so central to their attacking game uh, as as Michael said on the pod earlier the counter-attacking game they're central as well so they will do everything they can to keep these players but I believe that um, there will be some interest I think in Buyatore I think if I looked at him I think he's got the technical profile to maybe play in other countries maybe abroad could go to some somewhere like Holland you know would, would soon potentially I think he you know like I said he he's a player who's impressed me a lot in Sweden and mm. I think yeah, the future's definitely bright for him. Well, thanks very much for your thoughts on uh, Mohamed Bouyatore. And uh, my player in focus this week is actually someone rather similar. And, uh, well, I'm sure you've actually heard of uh, my man, uh, Samuel Adding Benro, John. Yeah, now I'm actually tempted here to just tell you 
all the listeners his goal record and all his assists uh, and a few key attributes just to cut, undercut you as he, as he did earlier. But no, I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, I'm going to let you tell us. Tell us about his goal record and Adik Benro. Well, actually, actually, I'm not going to even mention any of his statistics because uh, he's one of them players where his stats are actually not um, perhaps as, as good as, as you might expect. He... He's a lot more about performance than overall statistics. But yeah, history of Samuel Adeng-Benu has rather hit the headlines recently for his transfer to Rosenborg. But so yes, he started off, he's Nigerian, and he started off at a club called Quarry United. And then in the winter of 2015, uh, he was over in uh, Scandinavia for some trials, caught the eye of Viking, who at the same time actually they signed another Nigerian, Suleiman Abdullahi, who has uh, ended up moving to the uh, Bundesliga Zwei in Germany. But yes, uh, yeah, 2015, he had a steady year. Inconsistent season, I would say, for him. Um, some ups and downs. But he was clearly a talented individual. Last year, um, he kicked on from strength to strength. Uh, some real standout displays. And uh, at the start of this particular campaign, 2017, he was actually on the injury list. And as soon as he came back into the Viking side... You know, they became a different team entirely, and uh, you know it became obvious he's been their standout player in what's been a disappointing season for Viking, and it was ine- inevitable he was going to leave them in the summer. It was just a question of where, and uh, to be quite honest with you, I was shocked that he ended up still in Norway, and for such at such a cut uh, price deal, just one and a half million pounds, John, because. Um, this is someone who I think is worth at least two, probably two and a half million right now. Right, so um, I'm going to tell you his goal record then because he has six goals in the Leeds of Syria, I believe, this season. Uh, and now he's moved, sealed the move to the sort of the champions and the big, <clears throat> the big boys of the, of the league. So I, I'm, I would, am I right in saying his goal record will, will go up from here? I mean, I actually saw the Ajax game um, after our pod last week, previewing it and the, our analysis of it. And uh, he came on and sort of scored the winner, didn't he? Yeah, it's going to really suit him at Rosenborg because he's going to get so many more chances. He's going to get, I mean, more, a lot more space as well because you know teams have got to focus on other quality players at Rosenborg. He's one of the top players in the elite Assyrian, in my opinion, if not the best. And by the time he leaves this league, he probably will be the top player uh, around. And, um, you know, he's... <laughs> This is someone, let's just talk about some of his big skills and uh, attributes right now. He's got a great centre of gravity and great balance. He seems to just glide through players sometimes and the ball will stick to his foot like glue uh, sometimes. Uh, he's a natural left winger in my opinion, that's his best position, left left midfield or left winger. He can play on the right wing a little bit, um, but he's more, because his left foot is so strong. I think he's always better off on that left-hand side, attacking midfielder as well. But for me, a natural wide player. But he can, he, he can finish well. He he can really provide assists and good crosses. And he's just got that skill, the flair, the X factor about him, John. And um, you know, just that real load of quality. I just can't believe a lot of better teams haven't uh, taken him. You know, in this summer window, it's. I mean, he was linked with a team in Turkey, um, no one particularly big or anything. Um, and that would have been a true waste to see him uh, over there. But I just don't understand scouting sometimes. This is a top player. Rosenborg have got a really great deal. Um, and he's going to absolutely thrive uh, in Trondheim. He really is. He's at the best club. He can put himself in a real shop window now for the future as well. 
Okay, so um, if we are drawing par- parallels, who does he kind of remind you of? Uh, you know, is he sort of a ben- Benteke type, or um, let's you know, give me maybe a couple of names that he similar sort of profile players. You know, for, for people who want to compare him to someone else who haven't seen him, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's um, he doesn't rely on on strength, so um, I'm not saying he's not strong, um, but yeah, he's not. He doesn't rely on sort of strength. He's sort of a a pacey, skillful sort of guy, clever. I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of someone right now. Um, maybe it'll come into my head a bit later, but um, you know, he's that is his, his main strength, sort of the, the skillful aspect of his game. Um, but I think he's got a bit of intelligence as well, and I think that's developed over the last two or three years. Perhaps in his first year at the club, he was a bit blinkered, um, and at times, perhaps some would say he's sometimes almost too selfish, trying to do too much himself. Um, but uh, I think he's gradually developed to become a, a better team player, and uh, you know I think he'll probably get a lot of goals and a lot of assists at Rosenborg. Um, I say going forward, it's it's really the future is great for him. Well, he has four assists as well as, as six goals, which is a good return for you know a club that he was at there, and now he's moving to the Champions. I mean, um, another name I could throw out there as a Nigerian is kind of uh, JJ Okocha, but I don't know if he's more closer to that than, than Benteke. But you'll answer that one for me. But my main question here before we wrap it up is: um, you mentioned he could be one of the best players in the league. If he's not the best player in the league at the moment, what does he have to improve and do to to become the best player in the league from here? I think, you know, I talked about statistics early on and how his actual overall scoring record in his career, I think it's something like only 15 goals for Viking. Um, I don't know exactly how many assists he's had, but if he wants to become the best player, I think he's got to actually, it sounds kind of a bit blunt, but just literally score a sheer weight of goals, a sheer weight of assists, basically just just dominate, completely dominate opposition uh, defences to that sort of level. And then I think he will become the best player in the league and uh, become far too much hot property uh, for Rosenborg uh, to keep. But uh, I mean, I could see them, him even going in the winter, to be honest. Quite a few people have actually suggested this as a possibility. And if he terrorises the league in the last 10 games, it could happen. And, you know, if they qualify for the Europa League, which is quite possible now, isn't it, after the first leg result, he can probably catch the eye in that competition as well. So, yeah, it's, it's all down to him now, really. Um, I'm not at all confident that he will be a Rosenborg player at the start of next season, John. That is how good I rate this guy. Perhaps he just needed to move to a bigger club to highlight himself a bit more. But I could definitely see him um, in another in a big league, uh, maybe England, uh, maybe even Premier League level. Uh, as regards to JJ Okocha, no, he's more of a sort of a, a smaller figure, uh, not particularly that tall compared to, to JJ Okocha. And I feel he's just a bit more silky than JJ, if you know what I mean. Silky than JJ? No, I'm not having that. Well, you know, that, that's just my, my general perception of him. Um, that, is some, that is some statement, that. Well, I'm telling you, this guy has got a hell of a future. <laughs> this guy has got a really bloody good future, uh, John. If he can stay injury-free, then, you know, he, he, silky's a great actual word to describe um, Adig Benro, in my opinion. All right, maybe I'm pushing the boat out a little bit there right now, but, um, you know... Uh, yeah, that is. I wanted to sort of highlight the point of just how good this guy is. Silky and Okocha is, is a serious statement. I mean, if he's anywhere near Okocha, then keep an eye out for him for sure. I mean, he's already endeared himself to Rosenberg fans with that goal against Ajax. That was that was a sensational way to introduce yourself uh, to your new team. So yeah, it sounds like he's a you know a big player in the making. And yeah, Silky and Okocha. Wow, I'd have to get my head around that one. That is incredible. But yeah, let's move on now. Really good analysis again. Thank you, Steve. Um, we're going to look at the team that he's actually left now. 
Um, you know, it's better to have better to have what's it? Better to have loved than lost, than never to have loved at all, as some fans might say. And Viking fans are going to be have lost their big player, haven't they? So they've got a big game this this weekend themselves. Am I right? Yeah, I just thought I'd talk about one fixture, highlight one fixture coming up this weekend, and it's uh, Sanderfjord against Viking. And this fixture really interests me because we've actually got kind of two English coaches up against each other. Um, obviously, in Berkmans, the uh, head coach of Viking, and we've got Sanderfjord number two, Sean Constable, who was on this podcast just a few weeks ago, uh, doing battle against each other. And um, uh, Sanderfjord have been going pretty well recently. They had three wins in a row. I think it would have been four wins in a row if they took away a penalty against Odd last weekend when it was nil-nil and they eventually lost it one-nil. Um, but they're, they're sitting pretty comfortable in the mid-table right now, 27 points. Who knows, that might even be already enough to survive. Certainly they only need another win or two and they will achieve their pre-season objective. Um, but yeah, big game. Um, Viking are going to have to come there and, and, and scrap and fight. I don't think Sanderfjord are a great matchup for for Viking because Sanderfjord have ability to keep it tight. They got that sort of three man uh, back line, but it can easily go into five at the back if they need to. They're hard to break down at home. They've been playing some good football at home, Sanderfjord. So I think Ian Ian's got his, his work cut out here. Um, it's the sort of game where they certainly could have done with adding Bengro with a bit of extra silky flair and um, you know. Uh, to, to create goals and uh, you know there's a lot of new signings at Viking right now who uh, need to combine and, and they need to do it quickly because at the moment they're uh, they're actually eight points uh, adrift of the automatic safe position and four, four adrift of the third place relegation so a, more a bigger game for Viking but I'm going to say intriguing fixture that we get two English coaches sort of doing battle with each other and two good friends as well from what I do believe Yeah I mean uh, for fans who haven't Sorry, so listeners haven't really um, heard that podcast. I think it was podcast five, right? You'll have to confirm that for me. But I believe it was podcast five where we had Sean Constable. And that was a fascinating discussion about Sanderfjord. Viking, well, I don't, you know, you, I, think, I know we, we know you're a big fan of Viking. And so, yeah, that should be a really fascinating game, I think. I mean, do you have a prediction for it? Um, I think it'd be tight. I think it'd be low scoring. If you were a betting man, I think I'd probably go under 2.5 goals in that one. Um but I've got a gut feeling for a one-all draw, and uh, you know that would be quite an, a good outcome, I think, uh, for mm. both teams in a way. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd highlight that that big game um, in in the Elite Serien this weekend. And uh, you you got a really big fixture as well, haven't you? Sitting on the fence there a bit, eh? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I've got a few splinters in my ass right now. So uh, um, okay, let me just ask you finally: Who would you rather win that game if you had to pick one? <laughs> Um, who'd I rather win that game? Well, look, um, I like to, I like to see things go uh, close. Um, so yeah, Viking are quite a few points adrift, so it'd be nice to see them get three points. But hey, if either if either team won it, I wouldn't begrudge it either way. I do quite like both teams. <laughs> Your future as a diplomat is very much assured, Steve. <laughs> hey, hey, you got to be uh, you got to be like that sometimes, aren't you, John? But before <laughs> we before we sign off from this podcast. You got a really big game to talk about in Sweden this weekend. We've mentioned this fixture quite a few times, actually, haven't we? The uh, the curse of um, of Jorgarten in the uh, Swedish uh, sorry Stockholm derbies, AIK against uh, Jorgarten this weekend. Are they going to finally end this curse? It's like ten derby games without a win now. Yeah, it's the big one. I mean, Jorgarten fans are going to be, you know. 
are going to be doing a bit of a Pac-Man, you know, when you, you know, have you ever played that famous arcade game Pac-Man where you're eating your sweets and then all of a sudden the ghosts come running and they, you know, you run the opposite direction and you try and get away from the ghosts, yes. get yourself a cherry and then go back and try and chase the ghosts. Yes, I remember that, the days. That will be your gun this weekend, to be honest, because the ghost is chasing them and it's the ghost of the curse, the Derby curse. And they're going to try and overcome it this 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 uh, you know this weekend. And to be perfectly frank, I don't think it would even be an, uh, an overstatement to say that their whole season probably rests on this game. Um, such is the curse that they, they're their fans are absolutely desperate to win it. And the beauty of this one is <clears throat> it's second against third as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there is actually genuine you know league table kind of uh, reasons for this game to be important, not just not just rivalry. One point separates the two. Who's the better if team? Mal- if Malmo were to lose this weekend and Jurgen were to win at seven points now, I don't think they're going to really rescue the title, but they could get closer. And the psychological boost of beating a, a Stockholm rival would-, would be huge. Their fans are desperate for it. Absolutely desperate for it. Who's the better team right now, John? Mm, good one. I'd have to say... I mean, I mentioned it on the, on the last part of the transfer point. I think ARK did the best business of of any team in the window arguably I think Malmo and Hammerby are up there but um, ARK really did absolutely fantastic business in my opinion and that was reflected at the weekend again uh, you know they won uh, 3-0 at Ostersunds which is a fantastic result really Ostersunds are a decent team I think they're tiring a bit personally I think they're running out of it st- I think the Europa League's already maybe taken a bit of a toll on them um, just with a quite small squad but you know ARK were ruthless took no prisoners 3-0 Sungwin Stefanelli, who's been a fantastic signing already, he looks a great piece of business from Argentina, and then Danny Avdich uh, in the last few minutes to make it three. Um, Ostersunds had ten men, but you know you, the key here is that ARK is scoring goals again. You know, three goals before there was a time when they couldn't score three goals in ten games. You know they couldn't. Um, you know. Well, they couldn't score in a brothel, could they? Back in the well, early yeah. days of the season. Exactly. So the fact that they're scoring goals again, Abassi, you know, Stefanelli. They look dangerous now. They're really dangerous, and I think that will worry. Um, that will worry your guy fans, maybe. You know, Goitem's still there. Linkvist has settled in, I think, quite well. Keeping clean sheets still as they were before, and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a cracking game. What's your prediction? What's your prediction for it, John? <sighs> Can your guy in the course? I, w- I would have loved to have got tickets if I'm honest. I, I would love to go go to a Stockholm derby. Um, my prediction is. Not really, I'm not big on predicting games, but I think the curse will continue. I think it will either be a draw or an ARK win. Okay, so uh, bad yeah, news. Sorry, for, fans. Bad news for your garden that the curse is going to continue. All that uh, comes to uh, brings to an end the uh, episode ten of the Nordic Football Podcast. It was great having you as ever, John, and uh, a great discussion. We look forward to uh, future episodes. Uh, enjoyed this one, didn't you? Yeah, ten up, ten, ten strong, and hopefully ten more to come. And- many more after that so yeah good good discussion and guys like I say always if you want to give us some feedback we're more than more willing to hear it so suggestions you know format suggestions whatever get involved okay well thanks very much for listening everyone uh, goodbye from me from this episode and we'll see you again in the future goodbye <laughs>